The following is a presentation of Disruption Networks. The D is turning two years old, and we want to party with you. Saturday, February 9th at John Devereaux Tavern, 37 Devereaux Street in Utica. This year, we bring in the party with Sophistafunk. That's right, Sophistafunk. East Beats and Biz will be getting the crowd warmed up with old school hip-hop and funk. There will be food, drink specials, live podcasting, giveaways, and we'll be giving out our annual D Awards. Save the date. Saturday, February 9th at John Devereaux Tavern. The D, Sophistafunk, East Beats and Biz, all joining forces to deliver a powerhouse of a party. This show wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for you. EJA Moving Services, Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley, Priceless Inspection, Saranac Brewery, and Nine Volkswagen of Rome. So you just bought your dream home, and now it's time to move. Let's face it, nobody likes to move. All the packing, unpacking, lifting, upstairs, downstairs, and broken everything, including your back. Let the professionals at EJA Moving Company take all the stress and pain out of your move. Competitively priced moving. Relocation services, office moves, and complete packing and unpacking services. They work with everybody to make it simple and easy for you to move and relocate. Call EJA Moving Company at 315-335-0516. When it's time to relocate, have EJA Moving do all the work for you. Hit them up online, ejamoving.com. Hey, Disruption Network. This is Mike Sacco, the general manager at Nye Volkswagen of Rome. If you don't know me by name, it's only because you have not received the best deal. There's only one reason to leave Utica, and that's to come see me in Rome and get the best deal on your next new, pre-owned, or certified VW. Mention that you heard this ad from Disruption Network and receive $250 off your next vehicle purchase. You'll know why our customers say, I love my Nye VW. Come see us at 5865 Rome Taberg Road in Rome or visit us online at nivwofrome.com. The Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley was born when three top producing agents with over 25 years of combined experience selling real estate joined forces to take real estate to the next level. We practice with honesty, integrity, and the knowledge to help make the buying and selling process easy and stress-free for all of our clients. We pledge to always make our clients our top priority from start to finish and even after the house is closed. We will always be a valued resource for information and assistance for our buyers and sellers. Our customers over the years have become not only past clients, but great friends. As we join hands together as the Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley, we look forward to serving our clients and our community and making a positive difference. You can reach us at 315-601-9630 for all of your real estate needs. The Disruption Network is making moves. For upcoming events, news, interviews, and new daily programming, keep in the loop with us at disruptionnetwork.net. Like, follow, and subscribe to all our social media. And check out all our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Get up on the D, disruptionnetwork.net. What's up? This is Duddy from the Dirty Heads, and you are listening to Easy Radio on disruptionnetwork.net. Help if I turn the mics on. Welcome to EC Radio. 
This is Chicken and Addy taking over for Z while he's in uh, Jamaica. Uh, I want to yeah, be with him. That sounds nice and toasty. Oh, yeah. He's over there uh, living it up with the band Mo over there on vacation. Got to be loving that. What up, Bo? Bo checking in. Gabe, Mr. Ease One, going to be on there tomorrow night. How was your weekend, everybody? It's great. I'm Good. joined here by Adeline Van Dyke, the property sister herself. Oh, yes. The and one and only. And the world traveler, Simon Eisenbach, over here. How you doing, Simon? Not too shabby. Thank you for coming in today. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. Man, we were talking a little bit about uh, what Simon's been up to. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, you've got some really cool stuff going on there, brother. You want to fill Simon showed uh, Chicken the uh, shooting star video he did. He did time lapse. Yeah, so I was in Burkina Faso, West Africa, doing a, photo, a filmmaking project around an irrigation installation and just one night was shooting night time lapse and got a really sweet uh, image of a shooting star just exploding. That yeah. was really cool. No, you do you have that posted up? Yeah, it's on my Facebook. Simon Eisenbach Productions. That one. Yep. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Yep. Yeah, it's up on Facebook. That's really cool. Um, Alclenzo's checking in, Mister Amigo. What's up, man? How you doing, Mister Three Eleven? I was just himself. talking about you, Colenzo. Uh Actually, the voice of. EC Radio and Disruption Network, yeah, and uh, always doing it with the golden pipes. But uh, what else? Are the other cool stuff you've been up to? You said you were in Africa. How long were you there for? Um, I was there for ten days in country, which was actually sixteen days total because I had a second shooter go with me that flew in from St. Louis. So I had to drive to New York. He flew into New York, and then we had to like regroup rearrange some of our gear and then we flew out next day and then it took a day and a half to get down there 10 days in country day and a half to get back what was the purpose of your visit so i was documenting the installation of eight manual irrigation system installations so basically um this whole project started four years ago when i actually documented the installation of a solar powered irrigation system and it was a great asset and that was installed at a school that teaches agriculture and the it was great but at the same time it was hard to try and duplicate because that installation was about twenty to thirty thousand dollars so it's not something that they can easily replicate in other villages even though the students from the school get all of the like education on how to do things well with that type of system That being said, my dad, who's an engineer, who's the man that got me into doing that kind of work, developed a system that uses manual pumps that has a similar effect, more work, but more work than the solar, but less work than carrying buckets through a field. Um, He developed a manual pump irrigation system that we went and did eight installations and then I was documenting that installation so that way the organization that is actually doing a lot of the work on the ground can fundraise to do 32 more next year. That's awesome. Yeah. And so basically the end goal with this is not only will it produce more vegetables, but it'll allow them to have more sustained crop growth throughout the year in a country that has a nine month dry season. Uh, That's really important right there. Yeah. So like huge. It, does it help with the actual production of the vegetables as well? Like, you know, it, it helps in a couple different ways. So it helps them be able to have crops to a certain extent during the dry season. You're not going to be able to grow as much because of the fact that you're limited in the space you're able to grow. But one of the things that really does help them is they're actually able to start 
planting seeds for their regular crop season during the dry season and get seedlings instead of starting with seeds. So you're like kind of jump starting their normal sit yeah, their normal growing their season normal and so they're able to do a better job growing during their normal growing season would they be able to use like uh like cloning that's not something that i, I mean this possible? Okay. i mean where i was to give you an idea is so far remote that there's no actual running power wow like i the only power sources we had were either a generator or solar power and we had to pick all of the camera equipment we brought specifically off of we knew the size of the solar array that we were using to recharge gear. And so we had to have all of our battery capacity that we think thought we would use per day be under the capacity of that system. <laughs> <laughs> Things that you don't normally think about when you're planning a project. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but that is an everyday occurrence for me is where I'm looking at projects and saying, what is my power source going to be? What gear am I allowed to bring? But then at the same time, I have to bring a redundancy for every piece of gear that I have because I can't just run to a camera store and get something if something breaks. Right. And I've broken plenty of equipment. Right. And then keeping things charged and way to recharge everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Wow. Was that a big challenge or did you have no sunlight? Did you have no solar? I've, I've got enough experience doing this now. This was like my fifth time running off of a solar array overseas. So like I've got kind of got my kit down. It's just every project has certain needs that change. So it's got it. And a lot of the countries I go to are re relatively sunny, like you were just asking. Um, so we get a lot of power coming in. It's just a matter of making sure that we're not overdrawing the batteries and causing an issue that could spark other issues down the road. Um, because if you drain cer uh, certain types of batteries, if you drain them past a certain point, can actually like have issues for the battery system. What other countries were you have you been to? Um, in Africa, I've been to Morocco, Senegal, Burkina Faso, Mali, Gabon, DR Congo, and Uganda. I have a trip that's literally waiting on funding that's going to be in Ethiopia. Then in Asia, I lived in Taiwan. I've been to Indonesia, Thailand, and Hong Kong. Wow. He's a homebody. Yeah, I know. He's like <laughs> the real-life Simon, Simon or what's her name? Carmen, Carmen San Diego. Diego. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, so I've been around. I've been all, around a little bit. All similar projects or way different projects? It, everything's been different. So Thailand was human trafficking. Oh, you're into that now. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so the I was working with on an the other side. On the other <laughs> side, on the other getting side. people out. Um, there was there was an organization that I w did some work with that gets people out of human trafficking mm -hmm. in various different efforts. Um, one of the cool efforts was actually. Uh, one of the one of the companies that the org I was working with helped was a jewelry shop that they teach women coming out of human trafficking how to make jewelry so they have a skill that they can then go sell the jewelry and make a living and that kind of thing. Um, so things like that. Um, I was in DR Con The big ones I've done were DR Congo, Burkina Irrigation, and then Senegal with education. Um, Senegal was out in a village named Joine that is... In Senegal, education's huge, but in a lot of the rural villages, they don't have electricity. So kids are graduating high school only ever writing with pen and pencil, or paper and pencil, not even a pen a lot of times. And they might get lucky if the school administrator has a computer. 
And, but even then, like no one graduates knowing how to use a computer. So one of my best friends works in country and he was working with his org to try and build a library media center at this village where he knew a bunch of people and had been working. And so that was one of the things that he was trying to start. Um, then in DR Congo, I was working with an org named E4 Project, which is based out of Colorado Springs. But what they do is they're helping a hospital in one of the most remote parts of the world. Um, it's a village called Nibabongo. And to give you an idea, we got dropped off by a bush plane on a grass runway 25 yards from the hospital. Wow. And <laughs> during the Civil War in country, there was no fighting in the village because they didn't need to go that far out. So you're, you, you landed in a field during like a Civil War. No, 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 no. Oh, the, the Civil War. War was back in the early 2000s. Oh, okay. But right. to just... give you an idea of the remoteness, they the like during the Civil War, no fighting happened in the village I was in. Because there's just, just no just point. Because there's no point to get that far out. Because right. once you capture like the major city center of a province, they would just call the whole province captured. Gotcha. But I was, yeah. <clears throat> um, and there, there's a hospital that is the, the only hospital for really 270,000 people. And the hospital director is the only real surgeon for 2 million people. Wow. And Holy crap. Yeah. And so we were doing a bunch of stuff for E4 to help be a support for the, org for the hospital. But also, they were trying to help do some economic development and social enterprise in the surrounding community. So they're working on starting... Uh, pig farm which has been up and running in a small capacity they're trying to ramp that up um, in 2013 a disease came in and just wiped out all of the pigs in the area oh. they finally found a strain of pig that's actually able to s survive through it so the hospital and the local church are working together to really help be create more uh, literally like just pig crop because uh, I, I don't know what the better term would be um but they're trying to create more sustainable pig farming and then they're also planning on starting a pig uh coffee plantation as well and the discussion is eventually going up to something like 200 acres of coffee wow. yeah so, so they have like an export they it's something that they have to work with the government on because part of the problem with a lot of dr congo is that's been like the chicken and the egg so the government wants people to export but the roads are so bad because just as like a polar opposite to Burkina Faso, they have like seven months of rain every year. So the roads easily get washed out by any vehicle going down them. So the roads are absolutely terrible. Um, and when we were there, we, I think the highest we reached was like 30 miles an hour in a car. Like it would like, that was our max speed in a car. So it's like driving on Utica roads worse <laughs> like i would i would say like utica is a slight step up okay not wow. not much but like it's bad i mean like we're talking like the land rovers were going like this and like tilting side to side as you're going down the road just because the it we were there during the dry season so it wasn't as bad but in the rainy season a big truck goes down a road and it completely destroys the road mm -hmm. and so you get one year where the government doesn't fix that and it pretty much holds them back because they have to sit there and wait for the government to just go and fix the road because no one has the equipment to do it themselves in that area so they're trying to start it so but they had to work with the government to get roads to be able to do the export 
So the government finally has started to fix the roads so they can start to look at growing crops. But when they plant seeds for the coffee plants, it takes three to five years to get full growth out of it, to get full yield. So the roads will be shit again. Hopefully not. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a little bit of what I've done. I mean, there's lots more in there detail wise, but yeah. Wow, that's awesome. I mean, like the stuff that you've done and, and it's all like more of a humanitarian effort, which I think is awesome. Yeah, you know, that's like, that's kind of my end goal in life is to work with orgs that are doing stuff to help create more sustainable life in developing countries. Yeah, I remember watching your hospital project as you were over there and it was like so cool. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, just so yeah. amazing. And then like, you know, everyone hears about human trafficking and, and things of that nature and in you know, we know a little bit about it, and everyone has this uh, attitude that not around here. Like, this is something that happens somewhere else in the country. Oh, and, yeah. And we're finding out, no, it happens all over the place. And it happens, I mean, we've seen it in, uh, what was it, uh, Cicero. That guy years ago had that dungeon in his right. basement. But A even- few years ago, there was a story that broke about how whatever city the Super Bowl is in, it, that weekend in that city is, like, one of the, like, largest human trafficking uh situations in the u.s is it because of the influx of out-of-towners or? i don't know what the detail was but i remember reading a story about that which it could be something along that, those lines but also like it's a great cover for someone trying to come in and out right, right. I, I feel like with a lot of stuff people's attention being paid elsewhere and i feel like we we, we touch on the human trafficking everyone kind of knows like i said they, they feel like it's somewhere else but we never hear the um the backside story the, the people that were involved in human trafficking right and like what you said about teaching them new skills um that's something i didn't you know even existed which i'm i'm glad there is people pay more attention to it but if you can elaborate a little bit more on what, what well, we're not seeing one of the things that like is a lot of discussion and i was very minimal like that was one of my smaller projects but at the same time one of the things is in a lot of developing countries you see parents trying to have their kids do things to help create money for the family Mm -hmm. and a lot of the world is very family based so whatever is best for the family is what i have to do so if a lot what you see happen a lot of times in developing countries is this person comes into a village and promises, oh, we can get you a job in this big city and you can make all this money. They, hey, you can go do this job. Then when they get to the city, they find out it's sex work um, or whatever the trafficking purpose is. A lot of times it just happens to be sex work. Um, and so they just get sucked in because their thought process is, oh, I need to do this to make money for the family. And it just downward spirals. Part of the problem is once someone gets stuck into that mindset, they don't think they have a skill that they can help the family afterwards so they don't value themselves as much. So teaching someone a skill that they can then go make a living, that they can help their family, is huge. It's give a man a fish, teach a man a fish. Right. But at the same time, you still have to be able to keep them going. So it's kind of you got to give and teach at the same time. It's kind of this twofold thing. Mm-hmm. And the psychological well, you're giving, damage. You're just right. giving while you teach. You're, yeah. But you're, yeah. Yeah, there's a ton of PTSD it's, situations. Oh, I can imagine. Just Just incorporating back into human, like, natural life yeah. without having to put up with those tortures. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, have you noticed, like, what kind of, like, groups are mostly in the human trafficking? I mean. I, 
my major time has really been spent in the like clean water education sector. Um, that was just a smaller project okay. that I was helping someone else out on. I wasn't the main person on that project. Um, and that was early on, wasn't that it? That was 2015. That was oh, relatively okay. so early. It, wasn't so it was long. it was relatively. But I mean, I started. I didn't start shooting video until 2012. So like yeah. I've only been doing this for six, seven years. Um, it's hard to believe. Yeah. Because you're really pretty good. Thanks. Um, but so like it's one of those that it's just where it, where I've had my deeper connections is. So like I shot video for that project, but I didn't do the editing on it. The stuff with pretty much my my full where I did the whole scope of work was all the Africa stuff. Nice. And that's a lot of times me working with the org. Like I still work with E4 project. Um, we were actually supposed to go back to uh, Congo in March, but that got canceled because of Ebola. Now you do a lot of like you said clean water and stuff like that. Do you yeah. have, have, have anything to do with like Flint, Michigan or the Dakota pipeline? I haven't anything? done anything domestically clean mm -hmm. water. Um, okay. It's pretty much all been water access in Africa. Okay. Gotcha. Um, it's, up until this point, the way my business is operated was I did commercial work in central New York, and then I did my fun projects, which was going to Africa. Um, my focus is really on trying to create sustainability in developing countries because my mindset is that if someone, barring political issues or terrorism issues, someone shouldn't have to leave their home to be able to get food or water and live. So if I can do something to help people be able to live where they are from in a better way, that's what I want to do. So a lot of, yes, there are issues with that stuff in the US, but I, for my time, I can have a greater impact in Africa. Gotcha. I just wasn't sure, if, like, yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I think that's awesome what you're doing. And your stories are amazing. People are checking in here saying they yeah. love Love the stories that you're telling. Um, Judith saying your videos are amazing. Thank you, Judith. Uh, Ed, Eddie over there at uh, EJA Moving's checking in. Hello, Eddie. How you doing, buddy? Hey, uh, Eddie. My buddy Mike is checking in. He said human trafficking pigs. Nice. He, he loves the stories <laughs> that you're telling. Like, awesome. You know, this is stuff that we don't really get to talk about a lot right. on EC Radio. It's and definitely not a normal conversation. Um, a lot of times when I meet people and they ask me what I do, it's goes down a rabbit hole of conversation mm -hmm. just like Absolutely. we're just like we're going down like, right now okay, yeah, well there's you don't have your elevator speech you know like my my elevator pitch is that i do i create media content for nonprofits working in developing countries and people are like oh okay whatever right but then like when they hear what you do they're like oh wow okay yeah. completely not what i was expecting yeah so i think that's awesome i think you know people like yourself definitely need to be uh you know, brought out in the forefront, like, because I imagine there's a lot of other people, you know, that want to get involved with stuff like this that don't even know how to do it and how to it's, it exist. It's definitely a very under-discussed thing. Um, and even to what I do, a lot of times people balk at, like, the cost of what it takes for me to do a project because a lot of times I have to bring at least one other person. And I think for DR Congo – Plane tickets alone were four grand mm -hmm. per person. Wow. Because it's your whole life. It's not like you're going to work for eight hours a day and then right. you're going back to a hotel or something. Right. He's got to bring right. all his gear you're, and everything. Right. Sleeping on cots, yeah. Ebola and <laughs> malaria. And yeah. I've had malaria. But you did? Oh, yeah. I've had malaria. Ebola is the deadly one that we avoid. Yeah, let's not have that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have had malaria. How how they treat you for that? Like, it's just a... Um, 
Well, the problem was it didn't set in until I got back to the U.S. And American doctors don't understand African diseases. So, like, it, nowadays when I go over, I just buy a round of the treatment and bring it home with me. But in 2013 when I got it, it set in, like, right after I got home. And the doctors were like, we got to do these blood tests and we got to do this and we got to confirm twice that you've got it. And I had 13 blood draws in four days. Wow. And, like, I was literally like a regular at Slocum's uh you're like Clinic? a human pincushion. Yes. The, like, the, the joke was that they were just going to give me a broom and make me start sweeping. <laughs> um, but it basically is like the flu, except a lot worse. Um, you add vertigo and things exiting both ends and the whole nine yards. It is. How bad is the treatment? Is the it? treatment is literally just like a set of pills that yeah, takes see, like five days. And so, I yeah. I wouldn't wait for it to kick in. Um, okay, left I, Africa, I doing just, the treatment. I literally, well, so you take you take a preventative, but it's like right. the, it's essentially like the flu shot where there's no guarantee it's going right. to prevent it, because a lot like the flu, there's different strains of mm -hmm. malaria, so you could like they they when especially in Burkina now the org that we worked with, they actually give like they gave us the right drug for what is the strain of malaria that's going on right at the there. most at that time. So, yeah. And that's predominantly through mosquitoes, right? <coughs> that is through mosquitoes in some way, shape, or form, yes. Okay. And it's pretty much impossible to avoid any mosquito bite. Like, right. it's, it's bound to happen. Wow. So did you have to worry about, like, snakes or, like, spiders or any other kind of insects that while you're there? Yes, but you have to deal with that here, too. So it's no different to me. Yeah, but the snakes and spiders are smaller. <laughs> Unless you're in Florida. That's true. Yeah. Then, then they're on bath salts. <laughs> you're in Florida. Yeah. So okay. it's just one of those that I just, it's just, none of that stuff phases me anymore. Um, it's yeah. just going to work for you now, yeah, right? Yeah, it's just going to work. Do you have to, like, protect yourself? Like, put any kind of, like, uh, pesticides on or any kind of, like, protective gear? I'll put, like, mosquito repellent on it every night but it's literally just like i buy the stuff with a lot of deet that we have here and i'll just put it on i'll i'll wear long sleeves at night just to try and cover up more skin but you still get mosquito bites what uh, about like uh any kind of animals issues tigers nope. you know? i i haven't been in regions that have a lot of that wildlife um i we have gone on safari a couple times but in in Burkina Faso, there's one part of the country where they've set up reserves for the animals, so the animals are protected, um, and that they really don't have lions and a lot of stuff like that up in the north part of the continent. And whereas, like down in like Zambia, Namibia, that's where everyone goes for going on safari, um, or at least the hotspots. Um, but where I am in country, there's not a lot of that stuff. And in DR Congo, it's so far remote that people still hunt whatever wildlife is there so things are really tamed down just because if something like that were to come even close it would get hunted see i think that's a big mis misconception about you know africa right. first of all everyone thinks africa is a country yes they think that's the, correct the whole entire <laughs> continent is one country and uh you know that's why i was going to touch on when you said you went to this country and this country is yeah. like people africa is not a country i've barely been below the equator oh really so i've been only mostly been like mostly central and north um, you need to expand your horizons. I'm working on it. <laughs> it's, But I'm one of those people that I don't want to just go. Mm -hmm. I want there to be a purpose for me to go. 
So I want, for me, it's, I don't care as much about where I go. It's the project that's going on in the place. The why, not the where. Right. So that's, it's like that combination that really is what gets me excited. Yeah. The the, the opportunity to do something productive and. and Yeah. Like I want to go to Ethiopia, not because of the country of Ethiopia. Like I'm excited for the country, but the org that I'm talking to is an orphan organization where the founder was a former sponsored child by World Vision. And she now has 1,500 plus kids under her organization trying to help them eat, be clothed, get an education. And so that is what gets me excited just as much as the country. That's really cool work that you're doing, man. I think that's awesome. Now, how does somebody get involved with this? Like if they wanted, like they hear your story and they want to do something like this. If they want to go and do it themselves, then really find a cause that makes you get excited. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, like for me, I can sit there and talk all day about clean water. That gets me really excited. Have some, Don't just go to go because I call it volunteerism is a big thing where like people are like, oh, I want to go take a selfie with a small child in Africa. And that doesn't help alleviate the problem. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at long term, how can I really help create sustainability, which is people some people would say that what i do is in a way volunteerism but i am working hard to try and help the orcs grow so it's a different in my mind um but it's really have the cause and know that you're helping and if you if you don't see yourself as someone who want can go because there are risks of going Mm -hmm. like as much as i would love to say that i felt fairly safe i know for a fact that i haven't always been fairly safe when i've traveled and but you can also support other people doing the work so like a lot of what i do is very tight budget a lot of it's donor driven so i tell people all the time even if you don't feel like you can go find an org that's doing something and support them um (coughs) that's huge because a lot of these orgs are barely scraping by and i'm doing a lot of helping to get fundraising done for the projects i do with the organizations i'm working with so it's not like they're just paying me a large sum mm-hmm. of money to go. It is a combination of we're working together to make this project happen. Now, do you take on volunteers when you go over or do you take on? The, I know you said you bring one other person over, but do you like the, have like a crew that you bring over or people want to volunteer and, and, and that, can they go with you? People or? that I bring with me have to have a certain set of skills that aids that makes the project be able to do a better job. Okay. Um, if someone wants to volunteer and go, then I'm more likely to just let them come. But again, they have to have a certain set of skills and I have to be reassured that they're going to survive. Oh, gotcha. You can't be babysitting. Right. I can't sit there and babysit someone. Um, Perfect example. My dad, in 2014, we had a guy go that we thought was going to be fine, ended up pretty much as like passed out on a cot all day, every day. And we literally would like completely useless. Um, we pretty much just had to check on him every hour, make sure he was still breathing, just like completely shut down in the heat. Cause mm-hmm. the we, average day in Burkina is a hundred to 115 for most of the year. We took a guy like that to mow down. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> like just sat there like a lump on a lump. Yep. was the heat. <laughs> yeah. It probably wasn't the heat. Yeah. So it's, so it's one of those that you've really like, I have to know that you're going to be able to do it. So a lot of times I'm looking, have you been there before? What types of similar work have you done before? That kind of thing. 
Um, it's definitely not easy. Um, I mean, just sitting on an airplane, it takes about 15 to 20 hours of air travel. That right there is a... <laughs> if you're not used to like taking 15 hours of air travel, I mean, that could be daunting on yeah. itself. Uh, flying direct from JFK to Hong Kong is 15 to 18. 15, 18. And then you got the time zones, so right. the, the jet lag. Yep. So you're probably down for about a good another two days after that. Usually. Yeah. yeah. So, but I'm, I'm also... I'm also one of those people that, like, I'd rather jump on the ground and get going because I know if I sit, it's just going to feel worse. But not everyone can do that. See, I don't think I'm affected by jet lag because my, my hours are so screwed up as it is anyways that I never know what time it is anyhow. It usually doesn't get me going. It gets me coming home. Mm-hmm. That's, really? that's usually when I get hit with jet lag. I wonder why. I wonder what the, the difference is. Going, I'm excited. Uh, and I'm, like, energetic and to get into it. Home. And by the time that I'm done with the project, I'm usually shot mentally, physically, um, the whole nine yards. So it's one of those that I just am already beat. And so you add on sitting on the plane and the hours. And a lot of times coming back, you're losing hours. So you land a lot like flying from paris to new york you land two hours after you take off oh yeah because it's, it's a seven hour time zone and it's a five hour flight or sorry it's an whatever yeah um we got some people checking in uh janice uh Olin house armstrong saying our buddy and pal yep and then Don's checking and saying, I'm very interested in helping with fundraising so you continue to help others. Don, send me a friend request and let's chat. I would love to meet with you and talk more. Um, I'm going to be traveling for the next two weeks, but I will be back February 1st, and I'd love to sit and have coffee with you and talk about it. Now, are you going overseas again for work? Or is no, I'm it actually – uh, well, kind of. Um, I'm getting scuba certified nice. in Florida. Cool. And then that it's one of those things that I look at – things I can do to kind of build my skill set. Um, what I was mentioning earlier was that my business up until this point had been a certain thing. I'm actually in the process of transitioning to where I'm leveraging my skill set with what I've done overseas to help other production companies a little bit more. And so I have the opportunity to get scuba certified and you never know where that skill set could come in. There are a lot of countries that I could be doing work with that involves having to do stuff around the ocean. And so I'm taking advantage of it and jumping in and just another thing I can use. Now you're going to get special gear so you can take underwater videos <laughs> and things of that nature? Not initially because to get the real good water housings is super expensive. And it's specifically based off of the camera that you have. And with how fast technology changes, I'm going to wait until I absolutely need it. Understandable. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, you're always expanding your... your exactly. I, you I'm one of those people that you always have to be learning. Mm -hmm. If you're not learning something in some way, shape, or form, then you're... You're done. What's the point? It's just cool, man. Like I said, there's a lot of people out there that um, you know didn't know what you do existed. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And now they're hearing it for the first time. This is really cool. And, and I love uh, telling stories like this uh, for you know people out there actually doing stuff and helping out and going to other countries and getting involved. Uh, because we always sit back and we always, oh, I wish I could do this and I wish I could do that. And yeah. I, I have a friend. She's a, um, you know, she's an administrator for big Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. And uh, every once in a while, like a couple times a year, she was a nurse. She yeah. started as a nurse, and then she like she went into the, the admin part yeah. of it. 
So she was like, you know what? I'll take my nursing degree and I'll go overseas. Yep. And she volunteers in Africa and yep. she volunteers on South America and things like that and uh, for medical things. That is huge. Yeah. Um, a lot of times doctors do similar and they'll train doctors overseas because a lot of times the African doctors have just trained under whoever was being a doctor at that hospital beforehand. So they're learning from whatever they can get. So if you can get a well-trained American doctor, that is huge. <coughs> and, and she does it for no other reason than to, you know, kind of like a soul cleanser to get out there and help and, yeah. and, and be a part of the world and help, the, you know. One of the things that really steps the hospital in DR Congo out from other clinics and things like that in that region is the head of the hospital was trained by an organization called PACS, which is the Pan-African Association of Christian Surgeons. And they are actually trained by American doctors. They do a full, like, you understudy, like, the whole nine yards like an American surgeon would do, five years of, like, clinicals and stuff like that. Then they go out to small villages, and they are able to just change lives. And so he has certain skills because of the fact that he was trained by Americans that he can just do certain types of surgery that now people are able to, if you get like a severely fractured leg where they would just have to live with however it healed eventually, they can actually fix it back to be able to walk normal after. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. <coughs> so, yeah, I think it's great, you know, hearing everything you've done. What do you got coming up next? Um, well... Right now, I've got a bunch of domestic stuff that is locked down. I've got the project in Ethiopia that we're just working on getting the funding together. Um, I've got some other things in the loop uh, that I can't quite talk about yet publicly. Um, but yeah, no, it's I right now it's just been a time of transition, uh, talking to a bunch of people about some stuff that's really I'm trying to focus more on the travel. Um, I really have loved doing a ton of stuff here, but I'm kind of scaling that back and really trying to help a few of the clients locally that have been really go-getters and taking advantage of what we've been able to do together. And then on top of that, just really trying to focus on what I've got. Now, now what have you been doing locally? Tell people <coughs> where they have seen some of your work because I know everybody's seen your stuff somewhere. They've had to have seen it somewhere. Um, my two big ones that people know of me for would be the root farm in Sequoia, and then the I've done the TV commercials with the Community Foundation. Mm -hmm. um, I familiarize people with the, the root farm. The root farm is a equine therapy adventure course in Sequoia. They do a lot of different stuff. They also have agriculture, but the start of it was equine therapy for people with development disabilities. And it's a lot, whole lot more than that. Now um, you can, they have on their new property in Sequoia, they have a massive adventure course with rock climbing wall, zip line, um, trust exercises, that kind of stuff. And they are half, I think about half of the exercises are actually handicap accessible. Um, and they actually have the only high ropes course in the Northeast, possibly the entire East Coast, that is handicap accessible. That's awesome. So you can have zero function arms, legs, and still be able to do their high ropes course on one of their ropes courses, which is Oof. insane and fun. I need to get fun. one of my little cousins up there. It's, not, it's, it's actually really deceiving because... You start, like, you walk out from the ground onto a platform, but then at the far end, you're 30 feet above ground. 
So they trick you into this. <laughs> so you yeah. think, oh, you're not that high. And the next Trickery. Thing you're, you know. But they also have low rope stuff, so they have things that are close to the ground. Um, That's my speed. I've seen the videos. The videos are yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. super fun. But then they have the equine therapy, which is really life-changing stuff where kids – not even just kids, kids and like kids and adults. The original focus was kids, but they do do stuff with adults too. That it's literally just like using horseback riding to help strengthen kids' motor skills. So you're getting a lot of kids that are truly impacted and their lives are able to be better because of it. And then they also run an agriculture program that they have crop share agreement in the summer. And then they also have freight farms, which is hydroponic shipping containers that basically our plug and play uh you can grow lettuce mostly leafy vegetables so like lettuces basil that kind of stuff and they sell that to local restaurants and they do sell some of it there they also do honey and eggs and maple syrup i yeah. had no idea like yeah when i first heard of it, like i thought it, they just turned it into a, like an adventure park i had no idea oh yeah they do we have to have them in they i do, think we should they do we so should. much more and you guys should go up there and do an adventure day i'm okay with that oh my god even though I hate that stuff, I, I would still you do it. You can do the low See, rope stuff without any issues. I still want to do a mud challenge with you. Yeah, I almost had a mud challenge last Tuesday. Quit being chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I almost had a mud challenge after last Tuesday's uh, Monday's chicken oh weaning eating contest. That was yeah. So they do they do so 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 much there. Um, and then in 2017, a grant allowed us to be able to literally overhaul all of their marketing. So we did new. Uh, I I built a team together that did. New website, new print. Uh, we developed a brand book for them. We did new photo library, video library. And then we launched right before Christmas of 2017, and it just exploded. And they've been nonstop insane growth. They were, uh, <coughs> they were hoping to do a, not like a certain amount of business on their spring break of 2018. Um, when they opened up the rock climbing wall and the zip line and they beat their expectation on the first afternoon. Oh, wow. For, oh, the, whole awesome. For the whole week, they were expecting to do a certain amount and they did that in the first day. That's amazing. So like that, that's the stuff that makes me go, okay, my job here is done. <laughs> and my job was done well and done right. And being able to see organizations like that thrive and they like sold out pretty much of adventure parks, like their adventure core stuff, where it was corporate retreats, school outings, that kind of stuff, where they were just getting people flocking in to do this stuff. And so seeing what I've done be a small part of seeing them explode yeah. is amazing. And a lot of times you hear these com these groups like that limp by because they don't get the support. Right. And, and, and right. seeing them like thrive like that, it's awesome. Right. Yeah. I like seeing that. Well, if nobody knows you're there. Right. Right. You that's know, half the battle. And that, right. That's what I try to explain to so many people is like, yes – it sucks spending money on marketing. But if people don't know about it, and also at the same time, we live in a day and age where the quality of your content has to be so high because people are getting so much media content mm -hmm. thrown in front of them that if it's not top notch, it's not going to stand out and people are just going to ignore it. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the things that a lot of people are starting to understand, but it's still a far way from it right. um i am a firm believer of quality over quantity but you do have to have quantity as well um and you you understand it the same with real estate because oh, quality photos on a listing sell a property exponentially faster absolutely in my opinion oh yeah well 
You know, we've all seen the ones where, you know, there's laundry on the bed. We were just talking about that. There's dishes <laughs> in the sink. Yeah. The counter is full of everything. Right. Yeah, I was just on, on a listing appointment and we we're taking the pictures and everything and I walk I walk by the kitchen counter and I grab the candle. Yeah. And she goes, "You keep moving." The uh, seller goes, yeah. "You keep moving that candle." <laughs> and I go, "Every time I look in this room, all I see is that candle, so it's got to go." Yeah. It can't be in my pictures yep. because whenever you look at the picture, all you're going to see is that orange candle right. in a blue room with, you know, brown cabinets and Ugh. gray and it you know, it's got to go. Yeah, that's you want people to focus on the room, not the right, the dishes one. in the sink. It's but, I think I, mean, I what forget are you thinking? who I forget who it was that said you're selling the room, not the items. Oh yeah, yes, because somebody would take who the heck was taking like pictures of like chairs and stuff. I don't remember. And it's like yeah, it's a pretty chair, but yeah, it was a rookie sometime. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You learn. You do. <laughs> You do. Well, we've seen some funny listing pictures. Oh, I, like, I, it's funny. Sometimes I look at different cities, real estate listings, just, just for the sake yeah. of doing it. Mm -hmm. And Me you too. find some really terrible stuff. Yeah, I go on the groups where when you need a little laugh or, you know, you've got the guy yeah. on the shitter in the background <coughs> of, of the listing picture, yeah. you know, yeah, right. and it's like, oh, my God. Everything's yeah. dirty and messy. You're like, dude, oh, yeah. clean up yeah. before you take these pictures. Yeah. Right. Like, do you want to sell it or... My I mean, at least clean for the pictures. My right. brother down in Tampa started getting into the drone pictures for real estate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said that's been working out real well because yeah. people want to see the neighborhood. They want to see yeah. where right. they're moving into and, yeah. you know, not well, just. Especially for Florida because you have so many people who start their hunt up here. Right. Exactly. From out of town. Up. Right. And then you know. they you know, or from wherever, nobody's from Florida. So, right. like, you know, they want to see yeah, what neighborhood so, yeah, they're so in. You, and, you know, you are going in for okay we're gonna fly down for the weekend right you're not gonna see a hundred houses you're gonna no. pick whichever one right and by the time you the get quality pictures and by the time the you get home the house might not even be on the market exactly right mm -hmm. they sell yep. so fast these days um what other projects you got anything um right now nothing what do you do coming. for fun what do i do for fun um i like rock climbing and i like cooking where do you go rock climbing uh i, I go out to the um central rock in syracuse if I'm in the winter, because it's it's an indoor place in Syracuse, um, super super awesome inside, and then I go outdoor in Moss Island and then some other places around the state. Uh, just depends on my schedule. I I've been the last couple of years. It's been a ton of work, work, work. Just to again, like we were talking about before we went on the air, you got to hustle to get to where you want to be and make the right connections. Um, this year, I've spent a lot of time in New York City. And so it's been a lot of bouncing back and forth, meeting some people in New York, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm thinking he's going to, like, kick back, have a few beers, go catch some shows. No, I go rock climbing. That's how I relax. I go climb and scale well, a mountain. If it's the mountain. If it's the middle of a busy week, like, for me, what's relaxing is, like, go home and just cook a stupid good meal. Mm. Um, and I usually end up just taking a solid photo of it afterwards just because. Yeah, what do you I cook? I kind of like when it's grilling season, <laughs> being friends with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you're I, a griller, huh? I, I grill smoked meats. You know it. Um, then I also, like, I'm pretty sure I should be Asian because I cook Asian food at least three days a week. Um, well, have you done Ancestry? Maybe you have I some. refuse to do that because I feel like a lot of those, like, companies will end up selling your data to the government <laughs> <laughs> yeah just about sending your dna to like a, a faceless person they can right. sell it what well the there was also a, there was a tv show where the person got convicted because they did a dna test and the dna test got sold to like the the da and i was like 
that could happen in real life. I don't trust any of it. <laughs> um, I just don't trust what you get back is true, though. Like, how do you, how do you tell that they're telling what they tell you is true? I mean, they can just tell you anything. You got to, you got to read no. the entire, the terms and whatever that no one ever reads. <laughs> you got to actually read that whole thing. No, but I mean, like, how do you know? Like, they could tell you anything. Like, you know. Yeah, well, yeah but if you do it, it's like I'm on Ancestry, mm-hmm. and you can tell because like your family starts showing up, right? You know, and so you you know. You're like, damn! I really am related to them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm actually. Shit, there's no denying that I'm actually that the one. only Simon Eisenbach in the U.S. Really? Yep. I I don't find that surprising. That I do a little bit. I no. mean, like it. You would think you would have like another one. There's uh, Simon's not a really terribly popular name like John or Mike. You know what I, I also mean? have a weird last name. And then name. Eisenbach. Come on. Yeah. I mean, I got like four Mike O'Connors in my family alone. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Or John Smith or, right. you know. I'm not generic. Definitely not. Definitely, Jill Miller so far. or something. You know yeah. what I mean? It's so uh, I just want to touch on a few things here. We have a Disruptions is turning two years old. February 9th, we're going to be celebrating. It's our at, birthday. It's our birthday. You know, I brought in, I took a picture and put us in my uh, profile of the cake you brought in last year. Oh, I'm yeah? surprised you don't have, like, the button ready for happy birthday to start playing in the background. <laughs> Not yet. Todd, get on Todd, there. Todd, get on there. But, uh, yeah, we're going to throw a party at uh, the John Devereaux um, over on 37 Devereaux Street. February 9th, we have entertainment provided by a little band called Sophistafunk. I don't know if you guys are familiar. I know you're familiar. Uh, they're super good. So you, you've heard. I, I heard. Th- I actually filmed them playing at the Levitt Amp last year for Community Foundation. They put on a hell of a show. They put day. on a hell of a show. Everybody got up and danced. Um, I- Simon says. <laughs> Simon <laughs> says, go dance. see Sophistifunk. Um, but they, like, they actually... We probably had four or five shots in the commercial that we didn't expect just because of everyone dancing from them. Kids, old folks, yeah. you know, younger. It doesn't matter. The, the, the music they play, just everyone gets up and wants to dance, yeah. too. Yeah, it it's was fun. pretty epic. It's fun. When Z and I were kind of going over bands, we're like, you know, I'm like, dude, I wish we could get some fist of funk. I mean, they would just kill it. And he goes, we could. So we made a call, and, and we got some fist of funk. And they were like the first band. Like, they were like that. We should try just getting these guys. See you know, if it's plausible. See if it happens. You, you swing for the fences. And right. You expect to get turned down and then yeah. surprise. See, I'm never afraid to ask. Worst you can say is no. And right. it's like, it, oh, okay, well, I'll ask again. Don't worry about that. Last year we knocked out of the park with Joe Driscoll. And, uh, you know, we had Ease Beats and Biz there. And yeah, him and fun. Biz, like, kicked off. And they did their own little thing. They're going to warm us up this year, too. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, well, not Joe, but well, no, Ease Beats Joe, and Biz will. So I'm kind of curious to see how like, they, it, you know, they do anything with Sophistifunk, you know, kind of play a little oh, Sophistifunk. That'd, that'd be, be really cool. Because be last fun. year when he, he did that with Joe Driscoll, and then he did it again later down in the year, uh, we had a party over at the, the Harp, and they just crushed it. Nice. And you're talking about fun. two great musicians getting together and doing their thing. Um, so you never know what's going to happen at this party. Um, we got food, giveaways, live podcasts, drink specials, games, and uh, we'll be presenting our D Awards, which Adeline VID. was a VID. V, a co-VID with Frank. <laughs> I got you. Yep, yep. Co-most co, uh, valuable D. And uh, we're going to have a couple other prizes for everybody. And then uh, it's two years. Like, so we got, uh, was it $10, $10 in advance, yep. 15 at the door. Tickets yep. are on sale on disruptionnetwork.net. Very easy to buy. I bought a ton of them just the other day. Did you? Oh, nice. It took me like three seconds. <laughs> bing, bang, boom, done. Great, $10. Why did you only buy 10 Oh, I was just getting a couple. Okay. <laughs> I don't have everybody coming yet. I just only know a few that are definitely coming. And knowing Addie, she probably buy like ten more. There's that's why I'm just that's why I'm just making sure. At least, why you need one? Maybe. I gotcha. What <laughs> day is it? February 9th. 9th. 
I'm Saturday. I might be here. Okay, let me know if you're okay. here. Yeah, definitely stop in. Uh, I'll have a ticket. Like I said, we're turning two years old last year. I mean, it was a great time last year. I yeah. imagine it's going to be even better this year. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors, EJ Moving Company. Thank you, Eddie. Uh, Prices and Inspection. Thank you, Josh. Property Sisters of Mohawk Valley. Thank you, Miss Adeline. Josh and Modio. Josh and Modio. The Good one you. and only. Uh, Saranac and Nye Volkswagen of Rome. Thank you, Mike. Mike yeah. Sacco over there in uh, Volkswagen of Rome. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's all going down February 9th at the Devereaux. Sophisifunk, Ease Beats and Biz, and Disruption Network. This is going to be a good time, time, man. Last year we came back here and we are like, holy crap. That party was awesome. Well, we drank the bar out of Utica Club last year, didn't we? Oh, no, no. That was the, uh, what party <laughs> was that? That was the EC reunion party. Dave's saying uh, VIDs, very important disruptors, seems reasonable, <laughs> better than VDs. Much better than VDs. Well, we said. The v I is terribly important there. <laughs> <laughs> it's MVD, we called it. Most valuable. D D. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we didn't call them VDs. Uh, <laughs> no, they already got that handled for them. Um, but, yeah, so also, since we're on the topic of EJ moving, uh, professional movers, 315-335-0516, competitively priced moving, relocation services, office moves, complete packing and unpacking services. They work with everyone to make it simple for you to move and relocate. EJAMoving.com. When it's time to relocate, have EJA moving do all the work for you. Don't break your back. It's middle of winter. Nobody yeah, wants to move. You know, call your buddies up, well, I can do it for beer and pizza. Well, you're going to get beer and pizza work, man. I personally had things fall off the back end of a truck and get run over by a car. Oh, no. Yeah, you don't want to do that crap. It's the middle of winter. Call these guys. They'll do it right. They'll do it professionally. Save your back. Save your money. Save your time. And they put the furniture where you want it, for Christ's sakes. They set it up. I mean, they put the tables together. It's like, I'm seriously never, ever moving without them. Especially in the winter. Especially in this crap. I, I don't crap care what time of year it is. I don't care. Eddie's going to be there. Yep, I would trust them. Go ahead, call EJA Moving today. And don't, yeah. don't wait. Don't hurt your back. No. Save the beer and pizza for after. Have it with them. Yeah, right. Have it with them. They, they wouldn't find that too. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, like we've had people check in, say they're they're interested in like donating. Is there anything like if somebody just wanted like say, hey, I want to donate to your cause or? I do have an avenue. It's not that simple. So what I can do is I can put info out later. I'll put it on my Facebook page, uh, Simon Eisenbach Productions. So if people go follow there, I'll put that up tonight or tomorrow. Um, it's and I'll link to Simon on here. I'm actually I so I in what I do taking donations. I'm actually affiliated with a 501c3 nonprofit out of North Carolina that does a similar type of thing to what I do. Um, and so they I can take tax deductible donations through them. So that way people can get that tax write off at the end of the year. Which oh, nice. always comes in handy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I'll definitely put that up, and then we can, yeah. Now, do you have a website? I do. My website is seisenbach.com. Um, I'm actually going to be relaunching that with a new look sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, but, yeah, it's tons of stuff. You can check out what I do locally. You can check out what I do overseas. Um, I've got it on YouTube, Simon Eisenbach Productions. Pretty much if you just Google my name, everything will pop right up for you. Well, you're the only one in the country, right? Right. <laughs> That's what makes it easy. That's awesome. I love your stories, man. Like, I, I love this. I, like I said, I had no, you know, I had a little bit of idea what you were doing. Yeah. But, man. The scope, yeah, the scope goes way, way beyond what people realize. And check out, where, where can they find that uh, Star Explosion again? Simon Eisenbach Productions on Facebook. And that one, that was in the That was Africa. in Burkina Faso, West Africa. And that, that wasn't was, that long ago. That was November. Uh, November 9th 
yeah, November. It was early, early morning, November 9th. And literally, I just could not sleep and went inside and grabbed my camera and put it right next to my head to give everyone a little context. Sleeping out in a driveway at a school under the stars because it was about 10 degrees cooler outside than it was inside. And so we just slept out, caught open sky. You can just literally zero light pollution. So 2 a.m., just pristine stars everywhere. Um, so I just grabbed the camera and started shooting time lapse. The that time lapse started with a 20 second exposure and ended at like a 1/640th just to get a little tech nerd stuff in there. Um, basically, like super long shutter to super fast shutter because I actually literally had the camera going from 1:30 in the morning until 7 a.m. Wow. So it was pretty awesome. We almost had a uh, trip out to Africa for a, a video shoot. Yeah, we were working for uh, for the Abigang project. Yeah. Addie asked me a lot of questions that. about that. I know, that. I did. I <laughs> oh, like, did so, Simon, we're starting this. What do we need to do? Addie's like, like, strap in. It's going to be a long process. Addie's like, so what kind of equipment? I was like, well, depends on what your end goal is and what kind of budget and what kind of environment you have to survive because that's all things that play into it. Because I know what. So I left that to Todd. I said, Todd, call Simon. I'm not doing that. I was going to say, yeah, I imagine Todd would probably have a ton of questions. Like, how do you protect the gear? Under the, the, he doesn't care about the vaccination shit. Like, he just wants to make sure, like, yeah, the, the sand doesn't run his gear. Oh, I understand. <laughs> I, 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 I can respect malaria, that. As long as he doesn't lose a camera to sand. I yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've lost lenses to sand. Yeah. I actually g- learned how to fix a camera lens because of sand. <laughs> oh, really? Yep. I have one of my camera lenses in Senegal last year. I was changing lenses and someone bumped my elbow and it went into the ground in Senegal is basically sand. And so I picked it up and I, before I put it on the camera, I just could hear sand and I ended up just literally stripping it all apart and getting all the sand out and then putting it all back together when I got back to the States. And now you have another, another skill. Yeah. I, most of my lenses, I would not do that. That just happened to be like one of my cheap lenses yeah. that so doesn't have electronics in it that it was like, if I destroy it, it's easy. It's cheaper to replace than it is to repair. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of one of those like evaluate yeah, the situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. I mean, like, Hey, you gotta learn how to fly. You, <laughs> otherwise you're out of business. Right. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, when, I think one of Todd's biggest concerns was when we were getting ready for that is like those instances like where something like that, like the lens happens, you know, like falling. Right. When, I, when I'm overseas, yeah. I have at least two of every needed focal length and every camera. So when we were in Burkina in November, we had one dedicated video camera that was a true video camera. Then we had three mirrorless cameras which are stills or video and we had one that was always shooting stills one that was always shooting video and then one that was a backup then on top of that we had another mirrorless camera that was the if everything else goes down we still have this camera then for lenses we carried in our dominant focal range which is 24 to like 110 we had three of every three of every needed focal length in there so 24 50 70 and 100 we had three of each of those spots covered whether it was so 12 lenses no 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 no, no. so like it was so we so like a lot of it was zoom lenses okay so like as long as we had three of the coverage whether it was a zoom lens or a prime lens we mixed the two right um, because the prime lenses are better for low light situations 
but you have to carry more of them. And so if we were doing something where we weren't near the car for a bit, we would carry the zooms. If we were near the cars or if it was low light, we would carry the primes. And so it's one of those situations that, again, you just have to be ready for whatever it's going to throw at you, and you have to prepare for something to go down. And then on top of that, we had six different microphones of different capacity. Some were independently powered. Some of them used camera power the whole nine yards. Just again, if worst case scenario, what happens if everything goes down? Did you ever consider having somebody follow you around with a camera? Like when you go on these projects and just kind of put together like a little so, bit of a documentary? It's in the works. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> so it's not a dumb question. Yes. <laughs> it's in the works. Um, I'm working with a company. I can't say who it is yet, um, but we're taught, we're trying to create a series around basically around the gear that I use. Um, and if Ethiopia happens in February, like I'm hoping, fingers crossed that uh, this project comes is able to happen. Um, right now, I'm waiting on word of potentially getting a ten thousand dollar essentially stipend to go make this trop this project happen. Um, then. I would have that guy with me and he would essentially be my second, but also be documenting stuff for that. Um, and he works for a company that works with camera equipment. So there's, there's things in the works. Oh, that's nice. awesome. Yeah. I love that. Like, as I'm hearing you tell You're these stories, it, it'd be really cool to see you in action and, and see the stuff that you do. So I do post a behind the scenes pro from every project. Oh, you do? So it's on my YouTube um, and on Facebook. Uh, so again, Simon Eisenbach Productions on YouTube, Simon Eisenbach Productions on Facebook, easy peasy. Well, not easy to spell, but if you can spell Eisenbach, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Links so here. Just click on so his name. especially on YouTube, it's really easy to find everything. Um, there's actually a behind the scenes from the Burkina project. That's the dominant one on YouTube. And a lot of times what I do is I try to mix like footage that's like hey this is what we're going to use in the final product but then also like me talking a little bit about like why i do certain things why we're doing this and then eventually what i want to do is break down things even more um i've been because of the fact that i've been in a bit of a transition i've been able to create as much of that content um but it's stuff that is in the works i'm planning on building out my youtube channel a little more with discussion of why I do what I do overseas, how to approach it, what are things to think about with gear when you're traveling overseas because it's not like I'm like you can take what I what I suggest and apply it to anywhere because of the fact that I'm going to some of the most remote parts of the world. If you're going to anything lesser, it can all relate. Um so really anyone can learn from it. So it's one of those things that we have a very diverse ability amount of people that can learn from it it's just a matter of getting the content out Good and time. i only have so many hours in a day yeah. sounds like you need an assistant or two or three yeah or those seven. those cost money <laughs> trust me i know someday. Someday. <laughs> someday but those cost money yeah i know i hear i hear you there uh well adeline you know she she has like three or four hours of sleep every day or every week maybe uh I what, try three to hours sleep of sleep like, a week? I sleep like four or five hours a night. She could probably help you there. I try to get six or seven hours a night just because I get grouchy. Yeah, see, I'm, I'm old, so I don't need that You're already much grouchy? Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm already crusty, as, as Joel likes to say. Oh, you're a little crusty today, aren't you? See, I don't sleep before like 3 a.m. 
because I work at yeah. a couple bars. Oh, so yeah. by the time and I work forty yeah. minutes away from the bar, so by the time I get home, it's like three a.m., four a.m. And you just can't go home, just no, go to sleep. No, 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 no. And, and it's amazing to me, like, because like I'll get like phone calls and I'll get like text messages at like three, four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, why are you still up? Yeah, and it's other bar people. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> people yep. from that bar world. Yep. The they, uh, I'm usually I try to go to bed by eleven, um, and I'm usually up at five thirty to go to the gym. How's the sleep out there when you're in Africa? Like you said, you're out there. I sleep so much better. Everything about life in general is better. All your food is locally sourced. There's no pesticides and preservatives in your food. It's all cooked fresh. If we're eating meat, it was usually killed like an hour before we eat. And what are you usually eating? Chicken, rice, and a sauce. Oh, okay. Um, really simple. Like it, they don't reinvent the wheel. We get chicken because we pay them to get chickens. Okay. Um, a lot of times they're just eating rice and sauce. I wasn't sure if it was like a goat or some kind of like, you know. Uh, we do. So it depends. Um, I mean, you mentioned pigs. Yeah. So that's the luxury items. Um, just the general day in and day out was chicken because that's cheap, easy, whatever. Um, they, again, literally kill it like an hour and a half or two hours before dinner. Um, the joke was one time we were working and it, when we were in DR Congo, you could actually hear the chicken squawk when it was. Oh. <laughs> yep. Dinner uh, time. Yeah. They let them run around without the head? Or no? They live until, I mean, it dep- so the chicken running around without the head is an actual thing. Yeah. And it's a matter of how much of the brainstem gets cut off when you cut the neck. I only know that from personal experience because I had to kill a chicken in 2007 in Burkina. Oh, you had to kill it yourself. So the first time I was in Burkina, <laughs> go make your own dinner. You literally, we were we were gifted a bunch of chickens for work we had done, and and that that's another thing in Burkina. They may have like next to nothing, but if you go and do a lot for them, they will gift you stuff, chickens, fruit, you name it. Like we ended up with like seven papayas, a massive bag of hot peppers, uh, nine chickens, and that was the Burkina this trip. Um, and then we also had a papaya garden at the school that we were at. Um, yeah. So w- the first trip, the people we were working with were like, oh, since they gave them to you guys, you guys have to kill them. <laughs> <laughs> and then they gave us a dull knife and we're like, you got to go out and kill them. Oh, so I did it. Like basically what they do is you just hold it between your feet and you slice the neck. And I did it, but apparently I didn't cut enough of the neck off and it ran around for probably 30 or 45 seconds oh man did you have to chase or you just wait for i just the the guards sitting there laughing so i just like stood there and watched it did they make you skin it and everything else um we started to feather it and then the guard got mad at how long we were taking so he (laughs) took over what's your first time right Right. that's like like a normal I was 19 at the time. Did they have to like hang it and like drain it and all that stuff? Or no, um, just... We didn't really wait that long. It was literally oh. like killed it, brought it over to the. You basically just like sit there with hot water and. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, did you actually cook it or did. Um, the We didn't cook it ourselves. They. Um, <clears throat> the people were, we were working with have like home help. And so they were cooking dinner for us and they just. Well, they couldn't skin it? What the hell? They were trying to make <laughs> us feel what it was like to Tatanka, to to one of right? the locals. No. You got to eat the heart. <laughs> I would have starved if I had to kill a chicken to eat I would have totally messed with like, you guys. Oh, no. And I would have been like friends with the chicken, and the chicken and I would have been eating rice well, I and mean, sauce. We were, we were it, the, when we were in Burkina this trip, 
the school had just finished like the corn harvest season and so they had let a local uh cow farmer come in and let his cows graze in there so it was literally like goats and cows just like free roaming everywhere and i'm not talking like two or three i'm talking like 50 (laughs) of each and they're just roaming around just literally like eating so like we'd wake up one morning and like they're literally just like roaming right next to our cots and we're just like oh hey how's breakfast That's awesome. Yeah. See, I, didn't, I know what you said. What an adventure, though. I know you said you like to cook, so I didn't know if, like you had to kill the chicken. I didn't know if like you decided like you know what I'm gonna make my own meal and like. I wasn't that adventurous that time because yeah. I was still like. I just had to kill a damn what, chicken. Yeah, like, <laughs> like 19, what? Yeah. What did I just have to do? So yeah, we had to do that years ago. With uh, I was on the Keeler show and we did it as a uh, as a stunt. Cut a chicken's head, or uh, sorry, cut a turkey's head off. Oh. And uh, Joe Lode, who was working on the show with me at the time, we went back in the backyard and he did it with a, a axe, like yeah. a little hatchet. Yeah. And like you said, it was kind of dull and he didn't get it all. And this freaking thing starts running around the backyard and we're chasing this damn turkey and its head's all flopping around. I'm like, oh, oh yep. my God, this is, oh, I don't yeah. even know if I really want to catch this <laughs> oh, thing. God. Yeah. So, that was fun. But uh, yeah, Peter loved that one. Uh, yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah, that was that was. A, oh my god! Oh, fighting. there was. I mean, <laughs> the thing the thing with Afri- like being in Africa is like literally like things just like roam until it's ready to be food. <laughs> well, yeah, fat, let, yeah, let it like, grow. I'm gonna eat you later. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, I think the 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 most meat I'd ever seen at one time in Burkina or not in Burkina in Africa was in DR Congo, and they actually had a party for a new pediatric building that was opening at the hospital, and they had one cow, two pigs, sixteen chickens, a uh, hundred pounds of potatoes and plantains, uh, and like a whole bunch of other stuff that was all like cooked <coughs> into. Oh, excuse me. A meal. It was a massive meal. Sounds like my mom's house on a it <laughs> for was, the holidays. It was basically like a giant holiday meal. Nice. It was awesome. What's some of the craziest things you've ever seen on, on your travels? Seen? Um, a- well, so, so we'll we'll go back. We'll start with the craziest things I've ever eaten okay. because we're on the yeah. topic of food. Yeah, let's do that. Um, so in Taiwan, they have this fermented tofu that is called stinky tofu. is a direct translation. And it literally smells like someone took a dump on the side of the road. That's what we call my vegan friend, stinky tofu. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it literally just tastes like garbage. Um, And then uh, durian, which is becoming like a popular gag in the U.S., which is a fruit, but it it has like the consistency of almost like marshmallow, Um, but it just smells terrible. And then um, there's this thing called papeda in Indonesia that is the center of a type of coconut tree that's ground up and it's mixed with hot water and it basically has no flavor, but there's a ton of protein and it's literally just like slime going down your throat. So it's like almost like a booger. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Um, And then in Africa, I've had porcupine. um, Porcupine. Yeah. That was in Gabon. We were supposed to have milky, but they couldn't catch one at a time. Now, how does porcupine taste? Just like any other gamey meat. Just like chicken. Yeah, I wonder who has to. I wouldn't say chicken. I'd say like goat. Quills goat. Off. Okay. More like a goat or like roadkill. Yeah, skinning that thing. You gotta be yeah. real careful skinning the porcupine. Yeah, porcupine. Yeah. I didn't have to do the work. I just ate it. <laughs> that one. That one we just ate. Um, that was probably the weirdest thing in Africa because Africa's a lot of. Africa's very heavy on like the sauces creating the flavor. And then the meat just is a part of it. 
Um, so a lot of it's like the big thing, a lot of places is like a tomato based sauce or like an onion based sauce. Burkina is a huge peanut crop country. So you get a lot of peanut sauces, which are absolutely delicious. Which you got to make sure if you got a peanut allergy. Right. Well, if you have a peanut allergy in Burkina, you're basically you're screwed. screwed. <laughs> like it because they just everything. Everything. Well, because they they literally just cook in the same pots, so it's you'll die as soon as you get off the potential of contamination is extremely high. No gluten free over there, right? Um, you're they, whatever. They don't really. Eat, I mean, they do eat a lot. They do eat bread, but. It's you can easily avoid it. Well, um, I imagine probably the gluten free like isn't probably a big problem there because they're not eating yeah, a lot of processed yeah. food. Right. True. Yeah. They're and all the stuff is made without preservatives, so the bread gets stale super quick. Mm. Uh, there was a couple mornings in Burkina that we had because they would get bread every three or four days, and so like the last couple days on that, like the bread's a little tough in the morning. You're just like, <laughs> ah. it's like a crouton. Yes. Border, borderline crouton. You, so you never had like you know snake. Have to eat a snake. Or... Um, I did that in Australia when I was on vacation. I don't, <laughs> you did it for I don't... vacation. No, of course. <laughs> yeah, I ate a snake, but it was on vacation. You know. I I yeah. How what kind of snake did you? I don't eat? remember. I was really young. I'm one of those people that won't say no to a food the first time. It's gotten me in trouble. But <laughs> I will try anything once. I say you got to try it at least twice. Some I, foods. Some more... foods. If it's really gross, then oh, okay, you're I done will, with the ones. I will. Well, that's, I'll eat most anything. Um, there's very few foods I won't eat, but I'll try anything once. Like Olive Garden, you won't try. You know. I <laughs> don't know how anyone can eat an Olive Garden just for the sake of it's not actually Italian food. The salad is actually good, though. <laughs> I'm, not, good I'm not going to go to Olive Garden for a salad. I'm I can go to many other places for a salad. I would. I see his point. But my is cousin it? works there, so I just go okay. Say, hey. See that? See, but you're going to see someone. That's a Salad totally different story, out. right? And and, That's, and Olive Garden's a great restaurant outside of Utica, right? Because of oh, what it's we have here. Very safe. Like if you're yep. in Florida right. or somewhere and you want mm-hmm. Italian or if I'm in whatever, Florida, I'm going to get seafood. Safe. Right. If I'm in Florida, well, it's yeah. straight right, seafood. Well, let's say you're in Topeka. Well, yeah. you, even Florida. Yeah. If I'm in the Midwest, <laughs> it's a safe. If you're in Topeka, or a Carabas, Olive Garden, Pizza Hut, right? They all start looking really good. Jamie Vitulo is saying that Olive Garden's salad is addicting. It is. It's so good. I, I could not tell you the last time I stepped into an Olive Garden. Well, we should go and have a salad. I, my go-tos. They are not going to be a sponsor of this podcast. <laughs> this for sure. This episode is not sponsored by Olive Garden. Uh, my go-to if I'm home is actually Foamy Kong. Really? Yeah. That is my jam. Again, I think in a different life I was Asian. <laughs> I... I will eat there every time. And it's funny because um, Jackie, who works, who basically runs it, um, she follows a lot of what I do. And when I went to Thailand, I came home and she was like, what was your favorite dish? I want to make it for you. Oh, that's it nice. was pretty. It was pretty awesome. I love that. What was your favorite dish? Uh, basil pork. Oh. Um, and she, they nailed it with flavor. Nice. Like, yeah. Uh, Bart Johnson's second. He said, what's a salad? And he said, <laughs> exactly. If you, if you want tons of meat, come to his house for a barbecue. Okay, so Bart. Right, so Bart, Bart is the barbecue. Bart is one of my filmmaking friends. Sadly, he lives down near Washington, D.C. So it's a road trip kind of barbecue. Yes, um, but his barbecue is probably worth the road trip. Um, for Bart, was it Thanksgiving you did the crazy smoked turkey? Hopefully you're still watching. Um, <laughs> yeah. So he like he just does some amazing looking stuff, and I've literally thought about driving to D.C. just for dinner. When's the barbecue? Let us know. 
Yeah, Bart, Bart, let us know. We might come down. Yeah, it's going to be a disruption event. Yeah, we're all we're coming down. <laughs> I hope you got enough meat there, buddy. He Disrupt would probably make it happen. Simon's going to kill a chicken for you. <laughs> <laughs> it may run around a little while. Yeah. It's a good thing. Well, his dog, Indy, would probably get it before I did. Oh, really? He has, he has two huskies, oh. one oh. of which is a puppy. Aww. So you got a ton of energy. Yeah. Mm. And loves squeakers. Yeah. Out of things. So they probably think there's a squeaker inside. <laughs> Uh, he said three years in a row, smoked turkeys. I rest my case. Nice. nice. Yeah, yeah, it looked super good. Mm-hmm. And he said, let me get 10 inches of snow in th- off the grill first. <laughs> you better get shoveling then. Yeah, really. They got that much snow down there, huh? They have more than Oh, they got though. slammed like, the last seriously, couple of days. Seriously, like everywhere that never gets snow has more snow than we do this year. Good. I get it all the time where I am. I'm not going to complain. No, I'm not complaining. So if, far, if they would send up the sun and the warmth, I'd so, be happy. So far, this w- uh, this winter hasn't been that bad. I mean, yeah, usually by this time we got you know a bunch of snowstorms yeah. and oh. you know sub-zero temperatures down to like negative twenty by this time. Oh I yeah, mean, it's been cold. I mean, oh, it's, it's it hasn't been warm, really, but it's not it's not it been. It hasn't been like below zero. It hasn't gone. Uh, my below house zero it has yet. a little. Bit. Well, <laughs> where where are you? I live Forestport. Oh, yeah, yep. right off a of lake. So down I, here yep. in civilization. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's been like you know five. 10 degrees but i don't think it's been like 10 below no, no. we have i don't think we've broken zero yet i don't either unless it was Not like 1 a.m yeah, yeah. I, was say, I don't remember like i said coming back from the bar some ungodly hour that humans should not be awake. Exactly. Yeah. It was negative six degrees. I'm putting gas in my truck I'm like this sucks could be in a bar fly i know right <laughs> <laughs> but uh i think this is cool man this has been a great conversation uh a lot this of people been a lot of fun a lot of people checking in. Your stories are awesome, man. I I, I know there's more in that brain of yours. Oh, there is. Oh, yeah. We could go on for days. <laughs> We'd like to have you come back in and definitely, you know, go through some of these uh some of these other stories and what you got coming up too. We can make that happen. As soon as I have a little more firm stuff coming up. The hard part for me right now is that things a lot of my stuff is in limbo or I've got a side project that I can't talk about publicly yet. Right. So now do you do yeah. anything like do you into music or movies or anything like I that? I love music. I actually for fun fact, I played cello and drums growing up. Oh, nice. Um, I actually am trying to get rid of a drum set right now just because I haven't played it in like three years. So if you're looking for a drum well, set, we'll go to... a drum set. <laughs> Let's do a plug here. Um, it's actually a super nice custom-made Ludwig Classics that's a dark green uh, stain. And then I've got a plethora of Zildjian cymbals. You throw a Slayer sticker on here, Mega will buy it right away. <laughs> Mega. Mega, make a deal. <laughs> So, brother, I'll buy, I'll buy you right now. <laughs> Throw a Slayer sticker on her. I got it. So, if you're looking for those drums. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, um, so I, I'm very diverse in my music, but probably my favorite band of all time is P.O.D. Really? Yeah, which throws people off. Yeah, I would never have guessed that, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, it was literally my first CD. Wow. Was P.O.D.'s uh, elements, Fundamental Elements of Southtown. Uh, that was okay. my first CD. <laughs> wow, that they did. I was thinking, you was gonna say like fish or like you know, nope, Burt Backrack or something like that. Like, <laughs> like nope, POD, wow, POD, nice. Yep, and I have every every album except for the newest one that just came out on actual CD. I've seen POD a few times. Uh, I that's funny because they're one of my favorite bands, but I've never seen them live. Really? Oh, yeah, I've never. The the one time they came to to New York, like upstate New York, I was living in Taiwan. And then as soon as I came home from Taiwan, they did an Asian tour. It's like, <laughs> why? I, I've seen them like two or three times just by on accident. They were playing with somebody else I was seeing in POD Open. Yeah, in uh, yeah, I would. It's they're an interesting band because they're one of the few bands that really 
went from the era of like having to have a label to doing things self-funded now and have really continued to thrive doing it. I see a lot of bands starting to take that self-funded route, like Faith No More is doing it. Um, yeah. Which I was bummed. They, they were spo- uh, Mike Patton was supposed to sing the national anthem before the, the Dallas Cowboys game uh, this past Saturday. And I was really interested to see how he did because not a lot of people know who Mike Patton is. And I thought it was a really interesting choice because he kind of, unless you know Faith No More and you're a fan, you really don't know who Mike Patton is. Right. And this guy is super talented. He, he was rated one of um, the top vocalists in the world huh. because he can hit, hit almost every, was it, octaves? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, he can sing classical uh, opera in, in completely in, in Spanish and, I believe, in Italian. And uh, this That's guy is wild. amazing. So I would have really loved to seen his talent <laughs> sing the national anthem. And, you know, because we've seen a Joey Bonadonna for Anthrax did it, and I thought he crushed it. And I think Mike Patton would have done a killer job. But he woke up. Not feeling well, and I guess he had to cancel. That sucks. Yeah, I really was interested in seeing, that, you know, like how he did with that. But, um, you know, that that kind of bummed me out. But, like, bands like P.O.D., like, so you're reading that hip-hop rap stuff? Is that, like, is that what turned you on No, I, well, no, this was back in the reggae. Back, oh. Like, back when, so Fundamental Events of Southtown is a very, like, rock, but also very laid-back chill vibe. And then Brown, which was their first album, is very, like, reggae influenced um it wasn't until uh uh what was the album the boom and all of them you know what i'm talking yeah. about yeah um, it's the one that really yeah that's the through. one that blew them up but before that like their first album is very like if you listen to it it's very chill like almost reggae feel to it and that's brown which is almost like a 311 type style or is it maybe I, I i'm not su- i'm not super big on 311 um but yeah it's on spotify if you want to check it out okay, but yeah no to. it's but it's interesting because their style has ebbed and flowed so much over the years but it still has the same root like flavor to them um yeah yeah um dave said that you know the, mike Patton he's referring to didn't more amazing stuff outside of faith no more which he's right but like most people know him through faith no more mm-hmm. um but, like, I, when you mentioned P.O.D., like, I knew him as a hip-hop rock type yeah. stuff. There, that's, I guess that's why it really threw me off that, like... There's... Know. They also have some really good acoustic stuff, too, that they've done. See, I would never know yeah. that either. They've, they've played some really good acoustic covers of their own stuff. You have some yeah. research to do. Yeah, I guess so. Get, I'm get, P.O.D. Get listening. <laughs> <laughs> you said well-known for music lovers. It's just not a name that people know. Mike Patton's not something that comes off the top of their tongue. That, that, that's why I thought it was a rare choice. I thought they would go with somebody a little more like, uh, um, what's that band? Or, um, you don't even know. I don't, I don't even know. <laughs> like, who, who out there today would be a big name for them? But uh, Shinedown, maybe. You know, I could see him doing that. Like, Faith No More, like, he hasn't really been big since the 90s. So I thought that was kind Fair. of a rare choice. But it would have been interesting to see. And I'd like to see them actually tap into some people with some talent. For once to sing the national anthem instead of some of these people that, God, they're awful. The auto tuners. The auto tuners. <laughs> Fergie. Oh my God, what she did was absolutely horrible. But um, hopefully they up their game when it comes to the national anthem. The one time I'm ready to watch yeah. an anthem, national anthem, they don't do it. <laughs> the one time you get excited. Yeah, for I know. The anthem. Yeah, more excited for that. The than one the time game. you're not in the kitchen. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> usually, like right before the football game, I am cooking food. Right. I'm getting ready to get everything going. Yeah. Yeah. Instead, that day I was actually kicking a guy out of the bar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> had a guy arrested. So, uh, oh, yeah. good. It was an interesting day. Yeah, he was a Cowboys fan. He was being a dick. Oh, uh, what are you going to so. do? Well, I mean, that's... He's a Cowboys fan, so it's kind of normal, but... Yeah, I had a... I, I told him, you got to leave or <laughs> you're going to get arrested, and he chose to get arrested. Come to find out, he had a warrant. Oh. Yeah. You know, Even better. 
dumbass. I'm like, dude, leave now or else cops are coming. Smart. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll take the cops. All right, well. Then they oh, looked yeah, him up. Oh, yeah, you got that warrant. <laughs> he got a warrant. He's like, oh, Oopsie. shit. So it's 8 o'clock at night. He's getting arrested yeah. out front of the bar. Good How's job, buddy. decision going for you? <laughs> but um, I also want to let people know about Nye Volkswagen in Rome. Stop in the showroom at 5865 Tabor Grome in Rome and see why all their customers love their Nye Volkswagen. Mention Disruption Network and get $250 off any picture. Yeah, purchase. <laughs> Not picture, purchase. They'll take so, a photo of your car. Yeah, they'll take a and photo. And they'll only charge you a dollar. For free. You get that photo of your car for free. Um, $250 value. <laughs> but you mentioned that you heard it on EC Radio, Home Free, the D-Line, Baseline, whatever. Anything with Disruption Network and family, you tell them you heard it there, and you get $250 off your purchase. So that's, that's a good deal. That's like your first bill. Yeah. It's like your first payment. What, like four tanks of gas? <laughs> right about now. Well, the car you buy. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, my truck, it's Adelines, it lasts me about it a week. Too. Yeah. My Jeep, that'd be, my Jeep, that'd be about a week and a half. But uh, in, a, in a Volkswagen, probably about two months. Mm, sure. yeah. well, she doesn't drive a Volkswagen anymore. Shh. <laughs> no, I, oh my God, I wish I did. My Volkswagen Passat, my first trip down to North Carolina to see my friend Tina in my Passat, one tank of gas all the way down there. That's so, impressive. And you know what I noticed? Like awesome. When you and I did that test drive, yeah. I can actually fit in a Jetta. Yeah. Man, these Jettas are much roomier than they used to be. And I was <laughs> I in the backseat and I fit. <laughs> I had so much fun because when you were driving. Oh, the test drive? And, and he goes, okay, I'm not real comfortable because it has the, the gauge on it when you have the cruise uh, control so it'll stop you. He's like, I don't trust this. I don't, I, I'm like chicken. I do this every day. Just leave it alone. It'll it'll stop you. I don't know. I don't trust it. He was so afraid, and all of a sudden I it stops him. He's like, oh, "It works." I'm like, yeah. "Well, because you're like you're coming up," and I was yeah. like, "Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh shit!" And then like it just stops and slows right down to the car. I'm like, "Oh wow!" And then yeah. it picks right back up. And then up. the guy takes off in front of him and he starts going. I, you were like a kid on Christmas. It was it was great. And then he's like, "Take your hands off the wheel." I'm like, "No, no, no." And, and we're going yeah. down. I don't know. If you're lane, familiar with yeah, Judd Road, assist. but it's it's real windy. Yeah. And and it starts veering over to the center lane. I'm like, oh shit, oh shit. I'm like ready to grab it and it just catches and then it comes back over and catches the other I and it rides I still would not trust that. Oh man, it was so cool, but it was, it was nerve wracking at the first. Thing, the thing that worries me is, and it, this is actually a, an interesting thing, a guy tried claiming with his Tesla that he wasn't drunk driving because the car was self driving, <laughs> but it is you can still get a Dewey. But I'm afraid that with more self driving capabilities, that's going to start to become a bigger issue. What if they're in the passenger seat? You can't be in the passenger seat and have it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> like I, yeah, but you know what I'm saying, that. though. Yeah, like that's one of my worries. Is, confident right. That people are like, oh, the car will get me home. No. Doesn't you still got to like be smart. Like, yeah, don't. It doesn't work like that. I don't know. I think I'd rather take my chance with some of these self-driving cars and other people driving. I, I would love to see self-driving cars, but in, as long as there is a manned car mm -hmm. it's never gonna work no. because, because the human element the, screws it yeah that's the variable I, that that is the the human variable is what kills mm -hmm. it and i i think that if you did human if you did all self-driving cars i think that you wouldn't have accidents and things would be a lot more efficient and you would be a lot like your traffic issues wouldn't be any you wouldn't have traffic issues uh, but at the same time getting everything to a self-driving car is impossible yeah, I mean, because I know guys that aren't giving up their muscle cars, right? And they're not modifying them, right? And and I, and I kind of worry about um, 
you know, when you have really bad weather. You know, like when I drive home, sometimes I'm making my own tracks. Yep. And I worry about, you know, if I'm driving a self-driving car, if it's going to notice where right. the lines are gone. And, right. And yeah. road conditions and things of that nature. And, man, if you ever get in a skid, if you ever get in a skid, you, you want to be the one in control. Freak. I am a control freak. And then there's times you just want to go up in the countryside and just drive and, like, yeah. open it yeah. up, take off, put on some metal music, and you're good. But uh, I don't know. I think I'd like a self-driving car at some point because when you're on a throughway every day. I'd like day, it for work. Yeah. Can be, I would be, you know. Be able to work while you go. Right. For Instead me, when I have like to drive long distances, really that would be so nice. Yeah. Yeah, right, so you don't have to sit there all the whole time. You could actually do yeah. some work and be right on your now, cell phone. Because right now, if I leave the country, I drive to New York and then fly out. Oh, right. Because it takes the same amount of time to fly out of Syracuse, get to New York, mm-hmm. change terminals and everything versus just driving to New York. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, I always I drive to New York and fly <clears throat> and out then, direct. And then it's the same cost. In Pennsylvania, because I just hate driving through Pennsylvania. I think everybody hates driving through Pennsylvania. I like Judith Miller's I, idea, self-flying airplanes. Judith Miller, I would love my own, please. Yes. <laughs> then I can get everywhere I need to. Exactly. Uh, Jamie's saying, put tracks on the road, and every every vehicle mm-hmm. becomes a train. I don't disagree with that either. Yeah, like on rails. Yeah. How does it work in, in, in intersections? You just then you'll just have the... Like the little switches, it would be it, like a train. It, it makes me think of like. Are you the, not paying attention? It makes me think of almost like the Jetsons. You just literally yeah. get in your car and you put in your destination, mm-hmm. and, and it just knows how to make the system go. I think that would be amazing. Or like little little helicopters or something. Heck yeah! We want our flying cars, damn it! Yeah, let's just teleport. To hell with all of this. It's that would make my life so much easier. That was like beam me up, Scotty. Somebody said, like, what was your? What would be your one? Superpower, like if you could guess your one superpower, like that, one superpower, yeah, that your one superpower. And uh, if everybody remember the movie Jumper, yep, I that's the superpower I want where you could see it and you could just leap to that spot. You know, just the problem poof. is the places I want to go, I can't see mm-hmm. unless I can look at it on a map and go, right? Then it would be perfect. Yeah. Just Google it and then you can see it, and right? Go Google there. Maps and so then I want to go there, yeah. Like, you want to jump into because I've always been places. one of those people that I always like to see things from a different perspective, like. If I'm down and I see a mountaintop, I want to, like, boom, see that mountaintop and see what the view looks from down below. But I don't want to have to climb 15 hours worth of mountain. I just want to get up there and then go. I don't know if it's a superpower, but I would love an Iron Man suit. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> just go fly wherever I need to and just, like, take my suit off and then go do what I need to do. Like, that would be There you go. Supremo. See, that's better than your idea. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that, too. Um, I just want to read people's minds. That's see, scary. I don't. I don't. I don't want to know what people are thinking. Oh, yeah, I that's terrifying. Because like, I do. I'm like, well, that person thinks I'm a dick. That person thinks I'm a dick. And oh, that I just person don't care though. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody that thinks I'm a dick. I don't care. I, I am, because you you know that's just it. But no, I would want to know, you know, what people think and what's on their minds. And see, I don't know. I, I don't think that's. For me, I'd rather be places and experience things. Right. I, I yeah, but if I know, yeah, I can go anywhere because I'll know what's on everybody's mind, and I'll be like, "Oh, you want to go to Africa? Why don't I? Why don't I go along with you?" Because I already know what he's thinking. See, but I. I well, I mean, no, no, no. I know exactly I'm, what you're I'm looking pretty for. Pretty obvious when it comes <laughs> to exactly people know what, what I want to be doing. What you're looking for with and somebody to go because he'll be running through it in his mind, and he'll be like, "Wow, it's like she's in my mind. I got to take her." I got this all planned out. See, see, but like right now, after the show, I can just back. I'm in Jamaica. I'm in <laughs> wherever Belize. 
you know, just jump around. But uh, I probably would, Jamie. I look at the people I hang around with. <laughs> <laughs> and she would hear, wow, she's got big boobs. Wow, she's got big boobs. <laughs> and that's just for me. <laughs> oh, God. My I'm eyes like are here. That makes me think of, um, <laughs> what was the movie um, with Jim Carrey? Oh, liar, yes. liar? No. No. Um, where he, he becomes God. And everything. Oh, everybody was right, talking right. to him. Bruce Almighty. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Almighty, Almighty yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. and all of a sudden, like, every thought as he's walking down the road just comes into his head. I, that would, I would not want that. Right. Like, Jim- it would have to be selective of, like, I want to know what that person's thinking. <laughs> Jamie said it would be, uh, what is she, where is she, uh, That's would be raunchy or mean? That's not wrong, Jamie. I, I don't disagree with that. Um, I'll have to rethink this. Garrett's saying flight, always flight. See, That's I- why I want the Iron Man suit, because I want to be able to take it off, and then I don't want to like accidentally like just like start flying one day. Like I just want to be able to take it off and then go do what I need to do and Come put it back, back on and go fly. See, I, that's why I like the jumper thing. I don't even have to waste time flying. I just I'm there. I'm good. I don't. I just don't get but I love the jet, I love like the Wonder environment Woman. of flying though. I love the yeah. feeling of flight. I hate heights. Oh, see, I heights. I love the feeling of flight. Um, I don't like heights either. I might be okay in like an Iron Man suit because I feel like. <laughs> Like you're in, in control, control of it. My, my, my <laughs> thought would be like, oh, crap, I'm gonna, something's going to break down here. Because like, I've broken down so many vehicles, I'm like, oh, something's going to break. I'm going to crash. Yeah. I, not, none of that phases me anymore. Yeah, I know, right? You're <laughs> rock climbing for fun. You know? Well, yeah. I mean, I've spent so much time in the air that it's... And I've yeah. been on everything from like a little six-seat Cessna to oh. an A380. Now, do you like ski? Do you do any of that kind of stuff? I have in the past. Um, I mean, the, the, really, the last few years, I've been super, super business-focused. So a lot of the side stuff has been put off just because I really wanted to get things moving. Um, but I'm starting to realize that like i got to enjoy the things in life, too. Um, so starting to get some of that stuff back in. I don't know if I'm going to ski as much anymore just because of risk of injury. Um, and I really just can't afford to get injured. There's certain activities that I have certain potential of injury level that I just don't want to deal with because I enjoy what I do too much. Mm-hmm. And you put too much time and effort into it, you know, right. to get to, you know, three or four days before a project to go skiing and right. God forbid whatever happens. Yep. You seem like a good guy to go camping with, though. I know <laughs> how to survive. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And we'll also eat really good food. See, that's what you got to do when you mm. go camping. We eat like kings when we go camping. Yeah. Yeah, because my buddy's like a chef, so he loves the cook. That, so he, he's the one that all, everyone like just, yep. here, here's my money, go buy the food for camping. Exactly, exactly what that's happens. That's the way to do it. That yep. is 100% the way to do it. We give him the food. You know, this is what you go buy. He does what <sighs> cooks out the menu. I usually do all the organization and work on the fire. And he's, uh, that's, that's what, what his, you need. Yep. And uh, it works out so much easier because what you end up having is, like, you get, like, five packets of hot dogs and nobody brings buns. Right. Mm. You know? <laughs> or, like, somebody yeah. brings a bag of chips and you're like, there right. you go, dude. So you just get the money. You have that guy go. He's the chef. He's going to cook. And, 100%. Uh, absolutely. Best way to do it. Yeah, you lost me at camping. I'm not the type. Oh, you got you got to go camping with us. Mm. You'll like it. I need a bad is it shower. Is it more of glamping? No. You see, you would hate. No. You could never go travel with no. me. A lot of times when I'm in Africa, I could it's if it was a project I really wanted to do. But like if if you're willingly just going to spend the night somewhere, it's sure as hell is not going to be sleeping on the ground. The uh, most of the places I go, we have to do bucket baths where it's literally like you scoop a small scoop from a bucket and 
dump over here. Yeah. See, I call them a camp path. My camp. I have um, my camp's in the woods. It's yeah. on a, a dirt road off of another dirt road. Nice. And there's Classic. no electricity, uh, no running water. You got to pump the water out of a out of a pitcher pump. Yeah. And then uh, there's no cell phone service. And nice. everyone's like, what? You live on a lake. Why are you here? And I'm like, I absolutely love this. Oh. Detaching me from all the rest of the world. I, I can. I don't have to worry about people calling me and interrupting me. When I'm me. in Africa, I leave my phone on airplane mode. I will usually when I land at the guest house in the capital, there's internet so I can be like, hey, I made it safe. But other than that, I disconnect from the world. I love it. I, I tell people I'm, I'm dropping off the grid. Um, you know, I do have, ban- you know, yeah. Jamie's saying you got beds in, in the toilet, which is true, but you but no electricity. No, I'm not going to lie. It's so refreshing taking care of business in a hole in the ground. Yeah, <laughs> there's something about squatting. It just works so much better. As Z puts it, um, I'm gonna let you have that. As Z puts it, he put he says he likes it crapping in the woods better because it's a more natural stance for you to. Oh, hundred percent. And 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 Judith saying it's wonderful because it's in the Adirondacks. And uh, Judith is a, a Shiwi fan. She's oh, a. If you ever, I bought my friend a Shiwi. Yeah, she uh, she's a Shiwi fan, and uh, my friend uh, Karen also is a Shiwi fan. What is a Shiwi? A Shiwi. It's a is, funnel for your vagina. Yes. Got when it. You go okay. Pee. Okay. It's a funnel for your vagina. Basically. <laughs> so you can wee when, when makes, you're a she. It makes your innie and outie. Mm-hmm. Got it. So that you can pee standing. As long up as you don't put hooks. it in backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I bought one for my friend Amy. It's a riot. Um, Not that I ever watched her use it. I don't even know if she used it. But. We went to the Slayer show, and I wanted my friend Karen. She's um, you know fairly well endowed up above, and uh, I wanted her to wear a bikini top and go pee with the guys in the woods over at the Slayer show, and just use her shiwi, you know, because I just thought it'd be this great just nice. have her come up there and like, what's up, dude? <laughs> just whip it out and start going to be like, what the hell? So they couldn't see it. In their <laughs> yeah, <face. laughs> just like whip it out, and they're like. Uh, uh, what? <laughs> that would be funny. But, um, yeah. The she- I would do that. If I were a woman, I would definitely invest in a shiwi. I mean, you can use it for rock concerts. You can work for hiking and camping. And- I'll have to ask my friend if she actually used it. It really works. I'm, she probably uh, lost it. <laughs> Jamie said, I'll PM myself. Jamie, the trick is you keep the your pants buckled, and then you keep them at your waist, and then you, like, squat with your knees out so that it stays taut, and then you <laughs> lean on your knees. As Judith saying, you need to buy a shiwi, Jamie. That's um, the trick. Yeah, it's uh, when I seen it, I'm like that is. Hopefully, I get one for Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's funny is a friend of mine. She got one, and her boyfriend bought it for her, oh, and she was so excited. And he was like, she was more excited about the shiwi than anything else I got her. And of course, we're sitting around the campfire, and she's like, "Oh, I got to use this." And he's like. I got to see this. And she's like, you'll never understand true love until you went and peed next to your boyfriend. <laughs> Stand oh it up. Oh, my God. That's a riot. Uh, I go, whatever you do, don't so cross funny. streams. Don't cross streams. It's it's not good. Oh, my um, God. But, yeah, it's funny. I, I think we should get an uh, endorsement from Shiwi right now. <laughs> How many times can we say Shiwi in an hour? Get your Shiwi now. I need to hear from somebody that's actually tried one. Judith's on it right now. She's actually has one. She exclaimed that Jamie oh, needs she? to buy one. Yeah. She, uh, she has several. Oh, let me see. How does it work, though, Judith? I didn't see where she says it's good. She said that. Uh, I mean, she she told someone else to buy it, so that's enough of an endorsement. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. So um, I would it, never tell someone to buy something that I hadn't no. used. But that right there, I mean, if you're a female and you're going camping, that is like one of the biggest, you know, uh, worries about you know going into like an outhouse or going outside or whatever they don't have to do it yeah you got a shiwi you don't have to worry about that so uh i think it's one of the greatest inventions 
they now they need like one for guys when they go have to go out in the woods like some kind of like you know. what to make an Audi and any no no no, no. <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you gotta pop a squat you know what I mean like when you gotta they pop a poop a poop wee well they had a bumper dumper where it hooks up to your back of your bumper but eh, I don't a know what? a bumper yeah. dumper if, if you have like the tow hitch it sticks onto the tow hitch and then it's a toilet seat like a little shitter on the toilet yes on the, oh Jesus Christ <laughs> Judith saying she loves her seaweed. Can't you people just stay home? <laughs> what's wrong with you people? Uh, me and a friend of mine invented one about 15 years ago. It was a cut in half water bottle. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's a little different, but um, this one won't cut. You are you. a pioneer, Jamie. <laughs> a pioneer. Yeah, this one's a little better engineered. I'm. I, I would probably imagine. slightly better materials than oh a water God. bottle. <laughs> yeah, a little thicker, and it's pink. I think <laughs> it is. It is pink. Yeah. Oh God, that's funny. Oh, that's great. That's funny. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to have get get somebody to uh, demonstrate one. <laughs> but uh, Simon, I want to thank you for coming in. Can you please it plug was a pleasure? Plug your website again. Plug uh, where you're Plug all of the info onto this thread as soon as we are done. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Perfect. Awesome. You have great stories, man. I would love for you to come back in again and, and tell us some more. Once you get this these other projects yeah. going, and you can talk a little bit more, that'd be great. Awesome. Um, I'm sure. When you get back from Ethiopia. Yeah. Yeah, if that happens, Let, be, let's hope that funding comes in this week. It's going to. That it's would be great. To. The rate my weeks. The rate my weeks started. End. Let's hope. I'm sure. I, I speak on Z's behalf. I'm sure he'll have an open door for you, man. Because this is great stuff. Jamie, um, it's Simon Eisenbach. Uh, Simon Oz, Eisenbach Productions. He. It's it's pinned right in here. You'll yeah. see where Adeline Van Dyke uh, pinned a site. And S- then he's gonna put his uh, Facebook page and stuff on here too. Yeah, Jamie, I will. I'll put my info in shortly. So that way you can find me everywhere. Dave's saying great show today, everyone. Thanks, Dave. Thanks Thank for checking you. in. Um, <laughs> she said, I bet it did. It doesn't uh, This doesn't hurt. It's very comfortable. So, uh, yeah, that's on the Shiwi. We're going to have to do a whole show on the Shiwi. Yeah, Shiwi-y. we are. We're going to have to get <laughs> the Shiwi special. You should, you, should reach <laughs> out. Yeah. you should reach out to Shiwi yeah, have them send and see some. if they could sponsor it. That would be great. So uh, we're going to get out of here. Addie and I will be back tomorrow. Yes. Um, we're finalizing our guests yes. as we speak yeah we're getting yeah. our schedule together uh are you going on tomorrow for um, i am not on home free tomorrow because we're going to be on uh ec mm-hmm. so okay and you're a busy woman well, a little bit you are busy if you want to sell a house or buy a house call yeah, call me we'll get it done she's she's the boss lady around town <laughs> that's the truth absolutely somebody just said to the other day oh it was lou he goes i don't think that woman's sleeps she doesn't sleep she constantly I, I guarantee she doesn't sleep a couple hours <laughs> But uh, all right, we're gonna get out of here. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. Uh, please share this. You know, uh, EC Radio Disruption Network. Uh, Simon Eisenbach dot com. So it's s Eisenbach dot com. Yep. Make sure you yep. check it out. Productions. Simon Eisenbach. Productions Search me on, on Facebook, Facebook. Simon Eisenbach Productions. Instagram at Simon Eisenbach. I'm mostly active on Instagram. A little bit on Facebook. I'm trying to do a little more on Facebook. Um, but in, if you really want to connect and see what's going on, Instagram's where it's at. I also like to thank uh, Utica Roasting Co- Utica Coffee Roasting for keeping me awake. Uh, not that your stories were like I've been like <laughs> under the weather, and I was like, man, I brought some Red Bull and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm I'm drained, and I'm like, oh no, we got Utica Coffee in the house, and wake you right up. It woke me the hell up. Nice, and uh, it was great, and it actually made me feel a little bit better. Nice. So uh, drink some Utica Coffee, guys. It'll make you feel a little bit better. And Frank will be happy. Yes, <laughs> Frank and Heather would definitely be happy. But uh, we'll get out of here. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you all. You know what the hell you're listening to? It's EC Radio.
The D is turning two years old, and we want to party with you. Saturday, February 9th at John Devereaux Tavern, 37 Devereaux Street in Utica. This year, we bring in the party with Sophistafunk. That's right, Sophistafunk. East Beats and Biz will be getting the crowd warmed up with old school hip-hop and funk. There will be food, drink specials, live podcasting, giveaways, and we'll be giving out our annual D Awards. Save the date. Saturday, February 9th at John Devereaux Tavern. The D, Sophistafunk, East Beats and Biz, all joining forces to deliver a powerhouse of a party. This show wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for East. EJA Moving Services, Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley, Priceless Inspection, Saranac Brewery, and Night Volkswagen of Rome. So you just bought your dream home, and now it's time to move. Let's face it, nobody likes to move. All the packing, unpacking, lifting, upstairs, downstairs, and broken everything, including your back. Let the professionals at EJA Moving Company take all the stress and pain out of your move. Competitively priced moving. Relocation services, office moves, and complete packing and unpacking services. They work with everybody to make it simple and easy for you to move and relocate. Call EJA Moving Company at 315-335-0516. When it's time to relocate, have EJA Moving do all the work for you. Hit them up online, ejamoving.com. Hey, Disruption Network. This is Mike Sacco, the general manager at Nye Volkswagen of Rome. If you don't know me by name, it's only because you have not received the best deal. There's only one reason to leave Utica, and that's to come see me in Rome and get the best deal on your next new, pre-owned, or certified VW. Mention that you heard this ad from Disruption Network and receive $250 off your next vehicle purchase. You'll know why our customers say, I love my Nye VW. Come see us at 5865 Rome Taberg Road in Rome or visit us online at nivwofrome.com. The Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley was born when three top producing agents with over 25 years of combined experience selling real estate joined forces to take real estate to the next level. We practice with honesty, integrity, and the knowledge to help make the buying and selling process easy and stress-free for all of our clients. We pledge to always make our clients our top priority from start to finish and even after the house is closed. We will always be a valued resource for information and assistance for our buyers and sellers. Our customers over the years have become not only past clients, but great friends. As we join hands together as the Property Sisters of the Mohawk Valley, we look forward to serving our clients and our community and making a positive difference. You can reach us at 315-601-9630 for all of your real estate needs. The Disruption Network is making moves. For upcoming events, news, interviews, and new daily programming, keep in the loop with us at disruptionnetwork.net. Like, follow, and subscribe to all our social media. And check out all our podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Get up on the D, disruptionnetwork.net.